Beyond, and hello everyone, my name is Jonathan Dornbush, and this is Podcast Beyond, IGN's weekly PlayStation show, where I forgot the PlayStation passion of my <laughs> Anyway, it's on now, and we're ready to talk about all the biggest news in the world of PlayStation, including another PlayStation console exclusive. I, we have to add so many words to the word exclusive now, because it's a very uh, strange term these days, but of course we're going to be talking about uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits now that's out, but we'll be staying uh, pretty spoiler free for these stories. So if you're uh, just jumping in or waiting to jump in, we'll we'll dive into our thoughts on that. Uh, but before we get into that and some other news, I'm joined this week by Brian Altana. Beyond. Beyond, Brian. And Mitchell Saltzman. Beyond and hello. Hello. Good to see you both. Uh, Mitchell, you, of course, reviewed Kena, and so we'll be dump- jumping in to a little bit of your thoughts on that. But before we do, I want to throw a curveball to both of you, as I love to do mm-hmm. so often. Uh, and to get that good, good uh, SEO, there's a Nintendo Direct this week. If you would like to see one PlayStation character join Super Smash Brothers as the final Smash Brothers character, who would it be? Go ahead, Brian. Kratos. Good. Uh, I, I've said from the beginning that Crash Bandicoot absolutely needs to be in Smash Brothers to finish to finish this like trifecta of having Mario, Sonic, and Crash mm-hmm. in the same game. So absolutely, it's got to be Crash. I would I would love to see that happen. It feels like it should have been an inevitable one, and it's weird that we're not there. Uh, also, I he one, was never in PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale, so I feel yeah, like what happened there? His time has come. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchell, whenever All Stars uh, Two gets announced, which of course we've been trying to make happen on the show, uh, we'll we'll definitely pitch our our, our Dreamcast for that game. Uh, I hope I hope it's the Patapons, uh, so mm. that the Patapon and the Pikmin can go head to head. Is finally we also won. never got mm-hmm. their time in PlayStation All Stars. Exactly, Royale. it's madness. <laughs> uh, anyway, now that we've gotten that out of the way for the SEO ness, I can get into the PlayStation. <laughs> There's no SEO in the words that I say vocally. It's fine. I don't think you uh, can get SEO bad. off of like a, a 30 second. I don't know if you know how <laughs> SEO works, Jonathan. It doesn't I work think... on an audio pod. Like a, what? <laughs> I work at an internet website and I'm pretty sure I know how SEO works. Anyway, Joe Biden. What? Okay, go. so gonna... the, the, the name of this episode is Free PlayStation 5. Mm. Yes. There yeah. you go. So, do that's going to do mark? it. Yeah, Just question to, like, mark. To save, to save our butts when it comes to game? journalistic intent. We'll put video game as one word and two words just to capture both of the search and mm-hmm. we should be able to get it. Uh, but yeah, of course, we're going to be talking about, uh, again, to get that vocal SEO, depending on how you're pronouncing it, Kena, Kena, or Kena, I believe it's Kena, Bridge of Spirits, Kena. Uh, which we'll, uh, we'll jump into. One character does say Kena in the game, though. I do oh. have a little uh, a little tiff with that. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Kena Bridge of Spirits is now out on both PS4 and PS5. Uh, we uh, Hopefully you, you've been playing along at home. As I said, we're not going to be jumping into uh, too deep spoilers, but anything that's been in trailers or, you know, things we were able to discuss about in a review, some, some early impressions, we're going to keep it kind of uh, contained to that. But uh, Mitchell, as I had mentioned, you reviewed Kena, uh, so why don't you give us sort of your your top level thoughts before we get a little deeper into the discussion? Yeah, high level thoughts. Uh, I like Kena a lot. Um, it's it's definitely you know a lot of people have been saying it's it's a throwback to like you know PS2 era platformers. For me, I really identified more with like the GameCube kind of Zelda likes, like Okami, Star Fox Adventures, the 3D Zelda games. Um, and while there there definitely is that you know. PS2, PS3 era mascot platformer element to it as well. Um, to me, it, it really hit those those notes of like, you know, going to an area, uh, finding a bunch of items for for that specific area, learning about, you know, that area's specific arc, you know, and then fighting a boss, getting an upgrade that lets you go on to the, the, the next area. And even though it's open world, you're kind of being guided into these different areas very linearly. Um, which is it's it's great. Uh, there's not that many games like this, even though this was such a, a popular genre, you know, back in those those eras. So I, I if there's like one thing I hope comes out of Kana outside of just Ember Lab being, you know, this this, you know, developer going forward that people get excited about whenever they announce something new. It's that I hope we get more of these styles of games because it's it's kind of a relic of the past that I think needs to be brought back. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I I really really love this game. Yeah, I, I think you're no go, go for ahead, it, Brian. No, you go ahead. 
I was going to say, Mitchell, I think you're spot on. Uh, we we saw this sort of like quiet renaissance of uh, 3D mascot platformers over the last few years. This is not really that. I, I think you're completely in line with the truth here about this being more like, uh, like Okami or kind of like a, a light Zelda. Star Fox Adventures is actually a great comparison, too. Although I'm not the biggest fan of that game, but I, I, I think that what this game is doing is a lot better. But I don't know. I mean, that's sort of just like a 3D action adventure, you, you know, kind of linear game, right? Like we don't get a ton of those anymore. Everything is either like a massive open world or we did get some sort of collect-a-thon platformers over the last few years with the, you know, Hat and Time and ukuleles and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, this, this is more in line with that uh, sort of like PS2 GameCube era uh like third person action game and i really miss those we used to get them a lot and like many yeah. things in video games they just stopped appearing one day um and you're you're totally right i i hope that this sells well and i hope we get uh sort of a, a resurgence of games like this because they're super cool yeah things can be very cyclical and i do like in a single year we've gotten this psychonauts and ratchet and clank to kind mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. you know bring me back to that arrow that did sort of define games for me growing up yeah. Um, and, and Mitchell, I think you're you're totally right in that aspect. I, I can also very much see and I'm, I'm curious to hear what you thought about it. I w when the game was announced, this was, of course, revealed during the June PlayStation showcase last year for the PS5 uh, reveal. Uh, and certainly it was this like this game sells immediately to an audience from the just how beautiful it is. And Ember Lab, of course, has a history and animation and everything. But after playing it, I'm I'm near the very end. I'm in the, the last couple boss fights. Um, the the way it sort of melds a lot of, I think, playstation bullet points when people talk about playstation games together also works really well like it does have that ratchet and clank collect-a-thon-ish nature it has that horizon bow and arrow combat it has uh adorable creatures and like it, it's blending all these different games together into one but i still really liked like i i don't think it necessarily does any of those things in a brand new way but i think it brings them together in a, a really great way i was curious what you thought about like how it brings disparate elements together in that, that capacity yeah, absolutely. I mean, you 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 definitely hit the all the ones that they they really, you know, borrowed elements from. Um, like Horizon, you know, time slows down when you jump into the air and you aim you aim a bow shot. Um, I think like like Ratchet and Clank, there's a lot of really interesting platforming areas. Um, and yeah, I think one of the the best things about Kena is, and I talk about this in the review, it, it's kind of beautiful in its simplicity um there's there's not a lot of complicated mechanics or or you know systems in kena it's very simple combat you have one one attack button that has the same four hit combo throughout the entire game and the way it it gets its depth is mostly through the enemy designs the the enemy designs as they as they go on they demand more from you so they they you know you're gonna have to do those things that you might not have done you might you're going to have to use parries you're going to have to use your slowdown in order to aim properly at weak spots you're going to have to you know use your dodge more you know effectively to avoid certain hits um so yeah i, I think i think this game does a really good job of blending all those things and like again like i said in the review i think kana's biggest strength is how it balances all those different um those different styles of gameplay it is the platforming it's the combat it's the exploration and how you're never doing one thing in kana for for all too long uh you'll have like a big combat section and there'll be and then it'll be followed by like a platforming section like this where you have to jump across these uh you know broken down ruins using your bombs to to raise platforms using your arrows to spin those platforms around uh then you using these grapple points to avoid you know getting scorched by these uh you know waves of fire that are coming across there's there's a lot of really creative uh scenarios i want to say and you're never doing not only are you never doing one thing for all that all that long but you're never mm -hmm. doing the same thing you know more than once more than twice yeah and uh i would say mitchell i'm curious if you feel much differently but i at least for me again in, in the the end game i feel like it only got better as it went along in terms of that variety too like particularly mm -hmm. a sort of without spoiling it the final section of the game where you have mm -hmm. to go to a few different locations it introduces so many cool platforming sections or boss fight designs or things that really really as you said like make you need to use every facet of what they give you and even though what they give you is relatively simplistic like it's it's not too 
wide of a scope of moves that you have, you really need to get good at all aspects of it, or you're just not going to be able to push past it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the last stretch of the game is really interesting. They they give you a certain ability that that really changes how you how you navigate through through some of the areas. And I kind of wish that they they had a little more of that. I wish they I wish you would get new abilities that would change the way you you approach certain things. Um, and I think that last that last section of the game is a really good, you know, slice of what I would want more of in in a, like a, you know if there, if, the, if this ever gets a sequel, um, I would absolutely love them to do more of that um, because my my biggest complaint about the game is that even though it's even though it's simple and even though that that simplicity is you know a bit of a positive in certain way uh, in certain ways, it also made it so that I. I frequently wished I could do more and I wish that, you know, I could approach platforming sections, approach combat, uh, combat sections in a way that more fit my, my own playstyle rather than kind of being pigeonholed into doing what the, the developer like wants me specifically to do. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's like my main, my main issue with, with Kana. <clears throat> but sort of hoping like they give you a, a pretty cool uh, move set, but hoping there would be more to it, and then letting you kind of figure out your own way through. Right, right, um, yeah. Which I totally get, and I do hope that, like as you said, I I hope there's a sequel. I I think this is a really great. Again, this is Ember Labs' debut game, uh, having come from animation, so this feels like a really strong start uh, to the studio, and I I hope it sells well enough uh, as it should to to be able to get a sequel. Um, I do want to touch on a couple things from your thoughts on it as well, Mitchell. But Brian, I do want to. Uh, jump to you for just a sec because i know you're you're a little bit earlier in the game um but sort of i guess from that perspective for people who maybe haven't jumped in yet how have you mm -hmm. been finding the the balance of things in the early hours of the game i like it a lot i think it um it's it's obviously fa fairly straightforward and sim simplistic early on and then as mitchell alluded to it starts to sort of stack on more mechanics and more ideas um i think the scope of the uh, art direction is is incredible like walking out into certain areas and getting those like massive vistas is just one of those things that i think that like the medium of video games does so well uh like when you see a shot like that in the movie you're like oh cool but in the video game you're kind of like can i am i gonna be able to go there eventually and like the answer here is is mostly yes um and i dig that a lot i think that like um one of my gripes i was just talking about it with mitchell before the show started uh, is that it sort of positions itself as a platformer. Um, and I think it gets more into that later on. But there's a lot of sort of environmental stuff that looks like something you could climb and jump up on, but you can't. And so you'll see your character sort of do this like kind of awkward slide down the side of like a tree or a, a wall or a rock structure or a house. It looks like something that you, you'll be able to, uh, you know, kind of jump on. Ratchet kind of had the same thing going for it. Uh, but once you sort of recalibrate your brain to go, you know, this is this is less of like a I, I get to climb everything, do everything kind of game. This is more of a, they're specifically and deliberately funneling me through uh, the environments for a reason. Then it, it clicks a little bit more. Um, I'm not a fan of a lot of the font work in the game. This is extremely nitpicky, <laughs> but it is it is teetering on papyrus. And that's a <laughs> that's a font crime. Don't don't take this too seriously if you're listening. I know we we get a we get a lot of flack for being nitpicky about video game stuff here. That's just a geeky design garbage thing from my brain. But it's, well, it's think, super cool. You know, Mitchell, you were going to go for a ten until you considered the font. That's right. That's how yeah. Is. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. No, but I mean, <laughs> it, it is it that is a, a silly little that. nitpick, but it also is kind of like jarring how beautiful this game looks and then you hit the pause button and like the ui of the the upgrades, yes. the upgrades are just it's so basic and yes yeah font is just like so i don't know guys like i know i know fonts can be expensive but it, it may not seem like it's worth it's worth investing you know in in all this money just to you know make your fonts look better but it, it really does help just ask like the the final fantasy uh steam uh yep. port, port people like mm -hmm. it makes a difference <laughs> well no, the, the, you're right about the ui it's 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 odd because it's got like a you know a very rudimentary skill tree but we mm -hmm. uh, i mean i guess this is about as throwback as you can get to ps2 era you know uh sort of action adventure platformer type games but we have seen uh skill trees become such a sort of interesting thing over 
the years in video games. We've seen some truly dreadful ones. I don't think this one has a bad one. I think it's just very straightforward and simple. It's not ugly or anything. It's just not really doing anything impressive. And it's not it's not cluttered and and horrible, but you know, it doesn't when you look at a skill tree like that, you kind of go, "Oh, this is a fairly simple endeavor here." Um, yeah, I think um, b- before the, the episode started, Mitchell and I were talking and, and now that I'm in those those final few boss fights, it feels like there should have been just like even one or two more powers, not mm-hmm. even like full brand new power sets to learn, though, that would be very cool. And I think in a sequel, we'd likely get those. But even just a couple more upgrades for each one, like one more. Yeah, it was in the, the B-roll for people watching the video, but there's sort of like four across for each of the the layers, even just having, I think, like one more column would have gone a long way to feeling like there was more to go for more to kind of collect because I've, I, I would also estimate I've gone for maybe 60% of the collectibles as I'm heading into the end game. And I, I got all of those powers like an hour or two before I got to this. Right. Point. And so it, it kind of like capstones you a little bit earlier than I wish it did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I don't even mind the, the amount. I think, you know, this hard. is not a super long game. It's a nine hour game. Okay. Um, my big issue is that the the upgrades that you get are so honestly meaningless <laughs> like the the first the first three melee upgrades that you get two of them are dashing attacks yeah which you should have a dashing attack you know it, it's not even like it's it's not even that it's a, a really effective move it's just it's it's a way to it's a satisfying way to close the distance and you know do like a, a different attack yeah um it helps like, for like shield breaks and stuff like that right yeah the like, strong the strong one is 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 more useful and i can i could mm-hmm. see that one being like you know your first upgrade but like the light the light dashing attack really should have been should have been something that you just have yeah right from the yeah. start i i think um, that's what i mean by like an extra column is just that some of them feel so unimportant for mm-hmm. yeah play. yeah but I I think the 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 one like melee upgrade that I I do enjoy because it it is one of those things that it it's optional but it also rewards a certain style of play and that's why I think upgrades should do. Um, it's the one where if you time a uh, a heavy attack at just the right time, you get an extra bit of power for it, and yeah. that's something that you know I think really there should be more of those style of upgrades in in the skill tree of Kana, and then you like on the 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 ranged upgrades it's like you get one extra bow bow shot before you have to recharge everything it's like i never had to use more than four shots of my bow like you, i don't i don't think this is the kind of game where you're just firing your bow rapid fire right um, yeah there's a, a few in there that i do think to your point of like the heavy attack one and again we're we're as brian said like we're we're getting into sort of the nitty gritty here mostly because there's a lot to love about this game but i think mm-hmm. the um uh the abilities that infuse your bow or the bomb that you've seen in, in some of the footage with like the rot ability is, is a cool upgrade to have in, in there. And, and yeah, I wish there were things that again, changed the way you play more often as you went through. I, I think for sure, Mitchell, uh, you're, you're totally right in that regard. Yeah. And just to emphasize what, what you're saying, Dornbush, like these, these are not like major complaints that, you sure. know, once again, I always say this games don't start at 10 and then right. get <laughs> exactly. points subtracted subtracted based on all the little nitpicks that we find unless uh, they have papyrus or something uh, yes. to it. Then <laughs> automatic minus two knocked out of the ign game of the year running it's a it's a tragic thing and it's it's just an internal rule and we fall no that's i'm being sarcastic it's not real <laughs> it's written um, in the ign constitution we yeah. can't do anything well, about it um, to, to continue to heap praise on on the stuff yes. that I think it does really well, uh, if if any of you and listening played Wind Waker, you probably remember the one scene, not the end, which I won't spoil in case you haven't. Um, but there, there's one scene in that game where Link gets the Master Sword and returns color to a room that's like otherwise drab. Mm. And there are so many gorgeous moments like that in this game because a, a lot of the mechanics are about sort of ridding the world of evil. And right. you go from these like kind of drab, morose, overgrown, weeded areas with, you know, dark colors and like red orbs and stuff like that to uh, getting rid of all the evil and then kind of striking down. And this color, uh, it sort of emanates all over the place and the grass returns to green and springs back to life. And it is stunning. Like it is, I almost cursed a lot right there. It is so, <laughs> it is so beautiful. It's one of those things that I'm just like, this is, you know, this is what they, this is the, those moments of, you know, why you own 
a next gen console. Uh, although I know this is on PS4 as well, but this is why you play video games. It's for moments like that that like just look so beautiful and look so gorgeous. The there's a section uh, early on where you walk into this forest that sort of looks like Endor at night, and uh, it starts raining. And it's just so effective. It's just so beautifully haunting and moody. And I think they, they, the, the team did such a great job of ca- capturing these natural environments and infusing them with like this sort of fantastical magic that uh, is really it's 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 not it's it's not the kind of thing you see every day in video games. Honestly, like it's I think it's really really special. And I think it, it's their animation background totally shining through. Like it's super yeah. super beautiful. And speaking yeah. of that, I think one of the things that uh, Ember Lab really needs to be, you know, praised for is their attention to small details. Um, the way, you know, fo- foliage will react naturally to to you passing by it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- this is something that I think a lot of game developers get un- unfairly uh, criticized for when, you know, little little bits of the environment don't perfectly react to to you walking by them. Why does I feel the like fruit take my bullets from my gun? Yeah, so. exactly, exactly. I, I, it would be a nice day on Twitter if I don't have to go and see any more of those. Have you guys but, noticed uh, the puddles look different now than they did at, at oh, E3? No. I, you know, <laughs> knock another but point I, off the review. <laughs> oh God, I should have given it a seven. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, I think I think uh, Ember Labs again. Their their animation background really really shows through if you look at like just, just the way their their clothes react to the wind the way yeah. you know things swing with uh with momentum the way like when the when the the rot like transform into their little beams of light the way like you know the light follows them it's just it's it's such an amazing game of small details that mm-hmm. yeah uh you know i Again, I cannot wait to see what this team does next. Totally. For also, have, have you guys ever seen the the Majora's Mask fan film that they made? Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Oh yeah, my it's, god. It's, it's bonkers. Yeah. <laughs> if um, you haven't seen that, go check it out. Uh, we have terrible fate. We we've been mentioning Nintendo stuff a lot, but it's it's worth pointing out uh, that there's like this you know kind of interesting Pikmin esque mechanic to this game with these tiny characters called Rot that you do collect and then control uh, sometimes in combat, sometimes to sort of move platforms around and stuff like that. Um, and it's really interesting and it it's weird because I f- I swear uh, at some point they make the sound that Pikmin make when they die, like it's that it's that like <laughs> like that. Yeah, that thing. um it's it's super cute i i think it's such a clever thing because it's it it's it adds to what is already like a very interesting uh and fun game and just puts this other sort of layer on top of it where you have these little friends that are following you everywhere and i dig it because it makes the it makes the world feel more alive you know like you turn a corner and they're like five or six of them are kind of waiting for you hopping around on a ledge or hanging out um yeah, it's, I, I think it's such a special game, man. That was yeah. um, that was an element when I uh, previewed Kena a few months back. I, I was speaking to some of the team and they were really like putting in those moments was a really fun opportunity to them because they were like, for, for full disclosure, I, I know you were joking about the Pikmin bit, but like you don't have to worry about the rots like health bar or any of them dying. It, it's like you collect one and then that is part of your just party of rot. You just have mm-hmm. them forever. So you're, you're not having to worry about their health or anything, but they're there with you along the whole way and, and not just seeing them run behind you. But yeah, as you're like going through a platforming section and they all like pop into existence on a statue or point you to an important thing that you might not have seen otherwise, like they will, you know, help you in that way. It, it, totally adds so much life to an already beautiful vibrant world but it just it adds that flavor it's a weird name for like a cute little it group is of, right they're like yeah. like they're like go get more rot and you're like are you sure <laughs> <laughs> but uh you can get a real life rot uh, mitchell i know you were tweeting about yeah. getting one of the, the plushies i really do need to get one of them as well they're adorable um, i will bring it next time i'm on beyond excellent <laughs> awesome. um, but yeah no they're they're a really fantastic addition and again it goes into that sort of like melding pot that is kana's gameplay but i think works when it brings all of these things together even like going back a little bit to the combat um because mitchell i did want to talk to something that you had mentioned and we were discussing but you had tweeted i think the night it came out like boy people are not ready for how difficult this game is even on normal mm-hmm. uh and you know i think kana introduces things well like the the beginning of the game isn't too tough and there is of course an easier difficulty but even on normal some of these bosses are no joke. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, 
no, yeah, I wanted to hear. I just wanted to hear your sort of thoughts on it, especially as someone who, for you know, my money is one of the the best video game players at IGN. Oh, um, thank you. This is yeah. This this, this is isn't just one. like game journalists <laughs> complaining. Game is hard. Like Mitchell is really damn good at games. Like I I have beaten numerous Souls games. Yes. <laughs> well, and some of these bosses even get a little bit Souls like in terms of how you have to approach them and in like learning their patterns and and being able to parry and dodge and all of that. But yeah, I want I wanted to hear your thoughts about sort of the progression of it. Yeah. Um. I think. The big thing that makes this game challenging is the fact that there's no on-demand healing. Um, and not only is there no on-demand healing, first of all, you need to have a point of courage in order to use a heal. And then secondly, there's, you can only heal at specific spots in the level. And once you use that spot, it's gone. So you're, you're going into these boss fights, what, like where you're not dealing all that much damage with your, with your main attack. And there's no way to, to improve your, your attacks. There's no like real progression for your, for your weapon, no progression for your strength. Everything is very fine tuned to how much damage you deal from the very start of the game. Um, and so it becomes this really tough game of like, you know, if you take a hit, that hit matters a lot. And if you want to succeed at these at beating these bosses, you're gonna have to learn how to how to use your parry because also your defensive mechanic, the the little shield that you got, that's also on a resource that's that's right. tied to a meter. And if you just get hit without doing a parry, you're gonna lose that shield for a little while, and eventually the bosses start you know wising up to to what you know the developers know you're gonna be doing. They know you're gonna be using your roll a lot because there's no penalty to using a roll. There's no stamina meter. And so eventually they start getting these moves that are like very wide reaching, very tricky timing. Um, and then sometimes you'll even fight a boss that just they won't stop. <laughs> they won't stop attacking and they'll they'll hit you out of the, the recovery of your role. And so, yeah, yeah so it, it a lot of Kana's difficulty, I think, comes from the fact that you can't you can't freely heal. And the fact that eventually you're going to have to learn how to parry. I know people people hate parrying. Uh, it's <laughs> it's hard to do sometimes. Uh, and it is hard to do in this game. The timing window is not super, super generous. Mm -hmm. um, but if you don't do that, then you're going to get you're going to get destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I, I I'm one of those people, through. Mitchell. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I got through maybe the first like two thirds with only using the parry a little bit. But in, in this final stretch, uh, I've suddenly had to learn how to master that thing. And uh, it, it's a little bit of a bummer on the trophy hunting side because there is a master difficulty trophy, uh, which is the only you can only unlock that difficulty after beating the game once on any other difficulty. Uh, and there's no new game plus. So it's not like you're carrying over things. So uh, I've I've seen some people running down like that. I don't know if you've tried it out that difficulty out yet, Mitchell, but some of the uh, things people were talking is like you can maybe get two or three hits and then you're dead on master. Yeah. Yeah, on master. I feel like even on normal, <laughs> honestly, yeah. it's it's like maybe three three hits and you're dead. Um, yeah, I I started so what I what I basically did was I I played through the game on normal, and then while I was capturing for the review, I basically played on hard. So the the capture most of the capture that you see in this review in this uh, video review is on hard difficulty, and I honestly haven't noticed that much of a difference between normal and hard. Gotcha. Um, granted, you know, I've gotten, I've gotten much better at the game by the end. So like going back through the beginning, you know, it's a little bit different and I haven't gotten to like the, the really tough end game stuff yet on hard. Um, but yeah, normal is no joke as, as, uh, we've all, we've all been talking about. I think, uh, you know, you go into this game looking at Kana and like looking at the rod and how adorable everything is. And like Brian, you even said your your daughter was watching you play, and she was like enamored right. with it. Uh, this I, I I would like to meet the the kids that are are beating this game on normal <laughs> because I mean I, kids are really good at video. I mean we I I think that like they have more time, right? Kids are really sure. good at video games. Sure. Um, that said, though, I think I believe there is like a like a story. What is it? Story mode or something or like story yeah, story yeah. difficulty? If you want to can play. bump it down, I believe at any time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it's always there in the menu, so you can mm -hmm. you can switch it off, which I think is is very great that that's there, especially for you know if you're just stuck in a boss battle, 
but want to see the story through um it, mm-hmm. it's definitely good to have there but yeah this is i think going to surprise a lot of people with how difficult it ends up being but uh i've, I've it's very rewarding especially some of those later bosses sure. being able to yeah take them out yeah. is a lot of fun and i think one of the the, the positives about it being so fine-tuned and like the fact that you you can't upgrade your your staff is that i think ember lab knows how how much damage you're taking like by the end of this boss fight and so they're able to make it so that uh, so many bosses i got through with no healing left you know maybe that much life left on my my character and that felt intentional like i feel like these bosses are designed with intention to make it seem like you basically scraped by with like you know the skin of your teeth Totally. Yeah. There is, there's a lot of reward in being able to do that, but it, it, you're totally right. It feels designed that way. And, and Brian, as you get to some of those boss fights, you may not want to have your daughter in the room because you probably will be cursing a lot. Like I am. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm old and Italian man. So she's heard it all. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't think we've pointed out that this game is 39.99, which is, yes. a, yeah. that's a, that's a cool little, you know, yeah. I, it was one of those things where I was like, Oh, I'll wait for reviews to see. And then I, I saw Mitchell's review and I immediately turned my ps5 and bought it because i was just like this is you know i'm very happy to support the studio i think that that's a that's a great you know i don't necessarily judge products by their prices because i think that's that gets tricky there's like you know free games that i've played for hundreds of hours and there's 60 dollars games that i dropped after four hours because i didn't like um but it is worth pointing out that if you're looking for like a, a fun nine ten hour game to play on your ps5 right now or your ps4 like 40 bucks is is kind of a no-brainer yeah, and you'll you'll definitely get at least a couple more hours if you're trying to go 100% it, um, which I, I definitely want to. As, as we were saying, I, I definitely want a uh, couple other topics to discuss this episode. But yeah, I I really enjoyed, as we were sort of alluding to, the the way it makes you really pay attention to the world. And uh, even though it limits you, as, as Brian was saying, in terms of it's not just this purely open, go-wherever world, mm-hmm. uh, the, the little puzzles that it creates for you, the little you know whether they're platforming whether they're experiential whether they're using the rot often they're a lot of fun to solve and as as mitchell was saying they are not often repeated so you're you're frequently finding new puzzles to solve and it's a lot of fun that way um any sort of other uh closing thoughts brian i know you're you're just at the start of it but anything as you continue to go, go play in it that really the like swimming the swimming is too slow that's my other nitpicky. <laughs> <laughs> that's super nitpicky stu- stupid stupid thing but no i'm i can't oh. wait to finish it i, I love it otherwise <laughs> another point dropped <laughs> <laughs> i hope dan swimming is too slow to this episode um, <laughs> to be fair you don't have to swim very often in this game you don't yeah, so that's <laughs> true. True. uh mitchell any other closing thoughts from you on it before we move on uh i hate collecting hats for my rod uh <laughs> i think uh this game needs better collectibles and uh every time i collected every time i did a a uh a curse chat and i got another hat or i just got another bunch of currency for buying hats for my rot i just I dropped the point. I dropped another point. I think uh, <laughs> I, the rod, rod hats are this year's uh, Fallen Order space ponchos. Like, yeah, exactly. Of like, exactly. You open That's the treasure chest. Yeah, you open the treasure chest, and you're like, another. You're just another blanket that you're gonna wear around the level. Okay, pal. Thanks. You know, I I really thought when I was like closing thoughts, we'll we'll end on a happy note. But no, I I would say yeah. There's. I guess spoilers for for ten seconds. Just skip ahead. Uh, I do love and Brian, you're not there yet, but the frog rot hat is very good. I will say cowboy that. hat rot hat is pretty good too. That one's too. There are some good ones, but yes, I agree. I do hope in a Kana sequel there are some more meaningful collectibles to get. But uh, yeah, as as we said, go check out Mitchell's full video and written review. I know we were joking about a lot of nitpicky things, but we do genuinely are, are having a really great time with this game. Mitchell thought it was great. I think it's really great too, and, and Brian's having a blast so far as well. Um, and I'm very interested to hear what people out there are, are thinking of it. So as you're playing, mm-hmm. definitely uh, comment on the YouTube or IGN versions of this. Uh, write into beyond.ign.com and, and definitely let us know. But uh, uh, do to- yes. Total side note, but when I interviewed uh, Stig Asmussen from uh, Fallen Order, I believe he's the creative director of the game, he mentioned that the reason that all those ponchos are there was because they added the collectibles like super late in development. Mm. I think yeah. they were like about to ship the game and they're like, oh, put some treasure chests full of blankets. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that's very fair. Uh, well, and I mean, Kana, I, again, congrats to the Ember Lab team. Oh. It's a very small studio, their first game. Uh, really awesome to see. I'm glad that after, you know, 
I think a lot of pressure being in so many PlayStation showcases, it's great to see that the final product was, I, I think, worth a lot of the hype and is a really fun, memorable time. And yeah, if you have a PS4 or PS5, there's no reason you shouldn't go check it out. Mm-hmm. I do have a positive final note. On <laughs> yes, please uh, go ahead. They have a really cool photo mode um, yes. that does something that I think is like that I haven't really seen anyone else do is that they they have a button to unfreeze the characters. So like you you go into photo mode and you know everything's frozen and then you hit the the unfreeze button or whatever and all the characters look at look at the camera and you're able to do like you know have them do different poses. You can make them say cheese. Uh, they all have different actions that they, that they can do. It's just really, really cool. And uh, yeah, I think it, it's it's an interesting photo mode that I wish a lot. I feel like every game adds something new to photo mode. And eventually we're going to get a game that just brings them all together yeah. and just has like the ultimate photo mode in a video game. <laughs> That's the fun thing with photo mode is like, I f- you're totally right. They all seem to want to add a little bit new, but not all of them also pull in everything else that was created that was beloved and great. And yeah, one day we're going to get like the ultimate photo modes. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's a really fun one. And Kena is a beautiful world to take photos in. So definitely uh, share those with us as well if you're taking any fun photo mode shots. I uh, do want to move on, though, just to a couple other news stories uh, this week. The first one I'll mention is uh, a report that's been going around a bit uh, of a formerly PlayStation exclusive developer, which is why I bring it up. But uh, Quantic Dream, uh, the developers of uh, Heavy Rain, Detroit Become Human, and a few other games uh, are reported to be making a Star Wars game. Uh, this, of course, comes uh, after, you know, earlier this year, Lucasfilm Games kind of rebranded itself in the way Marvel Games did a few years back. Uh, we know that there will be a Ubisoft uh, EA game from the Massive team uh, and that they're open to other partnerships, uh, Indiana Jones game for Mission Games and whatnot. Uh, this feels like if this turns out to be true, uh, this originally the rumor surfaced via a French YouTuber. Uh, I'm going to completely butcher it. Uh, Gatos? Gato? I don't know. Uh, I didn't take French. I took Spanish. But anyway, uh, after that, I, we've seen I took French, but I failed out. Fair enough. So none of us. <laughs> so can you're probably Mitchell. doing better than uh uh, so my birth parents are apparently French, uh, oh. but I've never met them. Oh, so. <laughs> that was a roller coaster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have French blood, but I've never, I've never tapped into it. Yeah, <laughs> one day. I really love the idea that one day you'll just start speaking like perfect French. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, a few other sites, including uh, Dual Shockers and a few others, seem to corroborate. I believe Kotaku did as well that there were uh, seemed to be some indications that this is actually a project going on at Quantic Dream, uh, and that it's been somewhat uh, in development for around eighteen months, uh, and that it will be a little more action heavy than past Quantic Dream games, uh, which have, of course been you know pretty. Uh, conversation-based and quick-time event-laden, so perhaps they're trying to branch out a little bit more. Uh, Brian, I wanted to start with you as someone who obviously, um, you know, has been on the show for a long time and covered uh, several Quantic Dream games on here, uh, and as a huge Star Wars fan, how does the potential for this sound to you? Um, well, um, um, so my gut reaction was <laughs> I, I'm not... I'm not wild about this, which is hypocritical of me because a couple of years ago when EA was, you know, doing whatever they were doing with the license, um, squandering it really for a long time outside of like, a, you know, some some great stuff here and there. Um, like, I, I do believe Battlefront 2 turned out to be one of the best Star Wars games ever made. It just took a while to get there. Right. Um, but like they, they really only shipped a couple of games in, in a decade worth of that uh, part the exclusivity partnership. So I am happy that Lucasfilm is kind of going berserk with the license right now. They're giving it to. Uh, you know, Ubisoft is working on it. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic is coming back. Um, there's there's rumors of about a bunch of other games coming here and there, uh, and probably tons I'm forgetting off the top of my head. Um, Quantic Dreams to me was a studio that I really, really appreciated when Heavy Rain came out because I had never really played anything like it before. And then I think a lot of um, Telltale stuff happened, and I, I sort of realized that like this is not necessarily my favorite way to experience video game stories um i think that it's 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 somewhere between like an action adventure game and a point and click adventure uh and for some people they like that but for me that's not necessarily what i want from the star wars license hearing that this would be more action focused is sort of interesting but i don't really think that they've done a great job with those sequences in their games in the past um in fact a lot of them are still feel really scripted and 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 comical um but bigger than all that uh i'd 
be remiss to not mention like there's there's a massive like ongoing sexual harassment and assault like case going on with this studio and has been uh, predating the 18 month development cycle here so maybe no one at disney read that story but i wish they had um i'm not particularly a fan of of like rewarding studios with stuff like that uh i don't i don't like what i've read from internal emails coming out from that company and i know people don't want to hear this on a video game show but like i I, sometimes for separating the art from the artist is difficult for me um uh that said if they have proven that like there's turnover and there's new staff in place and that there's people that uh you know are taking the company in a better direction and the people who weren't responsible for being gross and crappy are not in charge of this then cool i'm interested interested to see what it does um but yeah this this was not of all the studios out there to get the license quantic dream was not my first choice for a star wars game but we'll see what happens no, I'm, and, and Michelle, I do want to get your thoughts, but yeah, just to jump off that, I I have a very similar path with them as you, Brian, where like I was pretty into what Heavy Rain was doing and thought it was very cool at the time. And the more that I've learned of the studio, particularly, I think some of the creative leadership there and business leadership and uh, also just seen through the veneer of their storytelling, I think like um, there are uh, many people of color who have written very excellently about uh, kind of what Detroit become human fails at representing um and i think also there's a pretty common quote that goes around where they said detroit become human uh was like blade runner but wanted you to sympathize with the androids seemingly missing the point of blade runner um and so i don't know if i have faith in the current leadership storytelling capabilities at quantic dream to do a star wars game Mm -hmm. and i'm very much with you where that is a bummer because I do want to see a bunch of different Star Wars games, but I'm I'm very much with you of like uh, I don't know. I like this is not a studio I'm particularly interested in hearing what their next work is, while leadership seems to be staying the same. Yeah. Um, but uh Mitchell, I I don't know quite your your history of having played Quantic Dream games, but um in, in terms of just, you know, Star Wars continuing to proliferate. Would you want to see such a like story based? It, obviously, there may be more action to it, but does a story based, choice based sort of thing like that interest you in, in sort of the Star Wars fiction from Quantic Dream in particular? Or not so much. I mean, it's certainly not an announcement like Respawn is making a Star Wars game. Right. Um, it's it's yeah. definitely on a much much lower excitement level. Um, you know, the Quantic Dream games have a very special place in terms of like my my history of video games uh in that i don't get to play a lot of games with my wife um you know she she doesn't like playing games she likes watching games while i'm playing them and i think the quantic dream games are very uniquely set up in that they're very well suited for that kind of playthrough where i can just you know play through the game we can watch it together we can you know she can like make suggestions on what what i can do and we can kind of just like laugh at kind of the ridiculousness of some of those stories because they don't hold up to any sort of scrutiny. Like if if you like really look at uh, the way those stories branch, um, like they they fall apart under the, the you know the dimmest of lights. Um, but that can be fun. You know, it can be fun to to go through a, a story and kind of you know joke about some of those you know bad parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like me, me and my wife got really, really into heavy rain in like a big way. Um, not so much, uh, the other games, but, uh, so yeah, so I, I, I would absolutely play this game. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be something I'm going to be ap- like hotly anticipating, but you know, it, it, I, I definitely will be, will be interested in checking it out. I, uh, There's... go ahead, Brian. No, I was going to say too, just, just to add on top of all that, I, th- I think what, and removing all of the drama around the studio which is it that is a big big ask a big if right the idea of like a narrative driven studio tackling this license as mitchell said way less interesting to me than um like respawn which has this tremendous history of understanding like combat in games right and 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 uh traversal in games which is i think such a big part of star wars and like interesting and you know unique alien environments and stuff like that like the what the star wars started as, as movies and then became 
it's like 12 movies and you know now multiple live action tv shows in the works animated shows there's there are so many narrative driven versions of star wars that exist already so the idea of like having like a a, a star wars movie that i can you know press press X have a few they'll... awkward sex scenes. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> For those who are watching the video, yeah. we are watch, watching the most awkward sex scene in the history of video games. And I could, Dude, I did, I, 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 did a, I did a Let's Play. <laughs> I think it was Beyond Two Souls, the birthday party scene. I did a let's oh. play with Greg Miller back in the day. It's probably the hardest I've ever laughed at work. One of one, it's it's just like, and for the wrong reasons. Um, yes, but yeah. yeah, I mean, just the idea of like, I don't, I, I want, I want like a like a, I want a cinematic video game, video game about star wars you know i loved i loved what fallen order was doing i can't wait for the sequel because the idea of like running around with a lightsaber and fighting people and force pushing people is this is the kind of thing we don't get enough of and ea mostly made mobile games and first person shooters and like to me that that misses a lot of what star wars is for me like i i love lightsaber combat i love force combat like the you know the force unleash games we got for a while and then just stopped making them so i'm i'm not necessarily like enthralled at the idea of playing a, a game that's like mostly story driven mostly cutscene driven mostly qte driven for star wars because when i want a, a cinematic star wars experience i watch the movies like they exist yeah. there's so many of them um well and and for me i think you know if it does lean into quantic dreams penchant for more dramatized like movie-esque games i also feel like that means it probably won't be within the kind of standard skywalker saga canon like it wouldn't shock me if this is a, you know, one of the first non-book or comic book High Republic projects, because that is an era where they haven't told a story in a cinematic way yet. And so that yeah. might give them leeway to do so. Um, not not to like d disregard your point, I do agree. Like I, I want more active Star Wars games, but at the very mm -hmm. least that might lend some of their sort of like choice-based and diverging narratives to a an era where they can mess with things a little bit more because it it's hard to imagine a, a Detroit Become Human style game set you know in the original trilogy era because you can't really mess around with it that much anymore like mm -hmm. disney is very particular about that canon no um, i mean they and specifically that canon is a minefield and it's become this huge pain in the ass for and i think that's why a lot of people were excited creators and authors and stuff like that publishers were excited about the high republic era because they don't have to consult this massive corkboard that says you know lando calrissian is uh, having dinner on Dantooine tonight he can't be in this game <laughs> or Luke is you know uh, crushing bugs in the Battlefront 2 you know uh story sequence like there's just like everyone is accounted for constantly you know like and I think that that gets a little bit more dangerous so I think it's more fun when people start playing around like Star Wars Visions just came out today and yeah I love it specifically because it is a creative departure from um being locked they basically just said do what you want with the IP and I think that that's what should be happening more with the ip in general so that yeah. that prospect excites me and and seeing yeah, disney that's... kind of give this ip to more studios to do what they want and not just be like you know it's luke skywalker again and again and again although i love luke skywalker he's great he, he is wonderful but yeah that's a uh, that's not in the reports necessarily that's just sort of like in my mind connecting the mm -hmm. dots of giving them something to do that would matter to the way they tell stories but yeah we'll we'll have to see i wouldn't be shocked if these leaks kind of cause them to maybe expedite the announcement of this thing um because it's still unconfirmed as of yet uh but obviously when we hear more about it we'll we'll definitely uh discuss it going forward but uh for now wanted to also briefly move on to one last news story and and mitchell i just wanted to quickly get your thoughts on this which of course is that uh there are reportedly discussions around a marvel vs. capcom 2 remaster actually happening uh, this comes from an interview uh, Digital Eclipse's Mike Micah did on Gamer Hub TV on YouTube uh, and said that both Disney and Capcom have been approached about the idea. Uh, quote, we've begun some discussions on that right now and we're trying to see how far we can go. But ultimately, at the end of the day, it's not really up to us. So all we can really do is just make the best case possible and try to make it easy uh, for them and see if they're interested. Uh, Digital Eclipse, of course, has been uh, part of other, uh, you know, remasters and things, including when they were previously Backbone Entertainment, uh, releasing a port of MVC2 on PS3 and 360, uh, you know, among other uh, projects they've worked on with Disney uh, and a few other companies, including Capcom. So, Mitchell, uh, I guess as someone who, weirdly, my introduction to Marvel vs. Capcom was three, because that's what my college roommates had. Mm -hmm. uh why is there such a fervor for mvc2 and and sort of like where are your hopes with a remaster happening 
Sure. So first of all, I think we got to give a shout out to Maximilian Dude on Twitch for, for yes. kind of, you know, spearheading this this free NPC 2 campaign. And really what it comes down to is Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is one of the most, like, important games in fighting game history. It, it, it you know, was an absolute blockbuster at arcades. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't go to an arcade and not see someone playing Marvel vs. Capcom 2 and, like, be, like, astonished by the things that people can do in this game. It was it's it's one of the first games that really showed me how crazy people can get with their skill level in fighting games because you know there this is a game where the the rules go out the window the fighting game rules that typically a lot of fighting games have to adhere to are just completely you know thrown out you can do infinites that you can do moves that you know you land one hit on someone and their life bar is gone uh, so I think. The, the big thing is that this is a game that, again, it's super important in fighting game history, and it's a game that is currently not available to play legally in, like, any fashion. Like, the, the, the physical copies are just absurdly expensive on Dreamcast or on anything else. Um, you can't buy this, the digital version that Digital Eclipse worked on in, I think, 2009. It's been taken off of storefronts because the the, the license ran out, um, or expired, rather. And, uh, yeah, it, it it's an absolute shame that people are not able to see where the Marvel vs. Capcom series really got its... It, you know, this isn't where it originated, but I think this is really where it exploded in popularity, and people don't really get to experience that for themselves. So, yeah, absolutely. I think this is a super easy win for Capcom and Disney to just be like, yeah, we have we have a company that that wants to do it, that has uh, experience doing it. They did the last one. And, uh, you know, they they uh, Mike, Mike Mika, I believe his name was. He also said, like, you know, all the things that a fighting game fan wants to hear, where he said, like, we will do the, the documentary stuff. We'll do the concept art. We'll add GGPO netcode, which is what. You know, every fighting game fan really wants. They want to be able to play this game with rollback netcode. So, so yeah. In conclusion, this should happen. <laughs> it would be an absolutely easy win for Capcom and, and Marvel. And I hope within the next year or so, we are getting very excited at a you know a Sony or you know some sort of event where they reveal this. Mm-hmm. Well, and ho- hopefully they can fin- fix those widescreen issues from our original review. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, it's it seems like the as you were saying, there's other than I guess figuring out the money for where the licensing issues may be. It seems like there's little downside to making this happen mm-hmm. um, for fans. I, I, Brian, I don't know how much MVC two experience you have, but um, it it seems like it would be a good thing all around. Um, um, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not good at fighting games, uh, but I always love this one. And I will say that for somebody who doesn't really engage in fighting games and uh, isn't really good at them, I could listen to Mitchell talk about them all day. Like you have that, <laughs> you have a magical power when it comes to that, dude. Um, but we, we're seeing, if you're, if you're watching the video episode, uh, Mark Ryan's name is in the corner. Mark Ryan's been at IGN for like 19 years. And uh, he had this game set up at his desk for ages. And so it was just this thing where people would just like come to his desk and challenge him and lose. And it was, it was, it was, he's, he's just one of those people that's just like amazing at fighting games, super, super good. And it was, it was just always, to me, that was, that was such a cool part of like the IGN culture was having this like the station there. Um, and also like the fact that like this, this predates the, the sort of the big sprawling MCU, uh, efforts in a lot of ways, the idea of like, you know, uh, all the, the legal clauses that came in and Disney owning this character and that character and Fox owning this character, like that you could just see a bunch of X-Men and a bunch of Capcom characters fight and a bunch of Marvel characters fight. And I think they, they lost that later on, right? Like it, they, they kind of basically had to partition everyone. I've always argued that like the, the strongest villain in Marvel is, is the lawyers. Like they're, they're the most powerful by far. They're the ones that separate all the characters, but this game was super, super like important and impactful. And it was one of those things that even though I didn't, I wasn't good at fighting games. It was un, undeniable to recognize how important it was. And I, I always fight and, and argue for preservation in video games. For and sure. it's a bummer that like that, that, that doesn't, you know, that, that uh, licenses lapse so often um, and don't get renewed. So the idea of this coming back, I think people will go absolutely crazy for it, especially now. 
like this is this is a whole new era for like marvel fandom and oh my god this people would go nuts for this game now can i can i get a quick confirmation or deny of a rumor i heard is it true that there was i'm not going to name names there was someone at ign who said that if he played mark ryan a hundred times he would be able to win one and they they try they they tried to to test this theory mm-hmm. yes i believe that is true and i don't i don't think they won I, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> no. Gotcha. Well, yeah, because Mitchell, you, you and Mark Ryan would play in the office a bunch as well. Um, Mark Ryan is a killer. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it, it seems like something that I really hope can be figured out, especially now that Disney owns the majority of the rights to Marvel things, uh, other than a few weird, you know, Sony movie rights. So hopefully this is something that could happen. Uh, and if and when it does, Mitchell definitely want to have you back on to talk about it more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it reminded um, me of the time uh, Toph came by the office once and I was like, hey, you want to play Smash Brothers? And he just like comically mopped the floor with me. I was like, can we put items on? He was like, whatever, whatever you want. You, yeah, you take whatever you need. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely see it. That's fine. Um, just to quickly wrap up, because we're unfortunately out of time, uh, we can talk about some some other games we've been playing in, in weeks to come. But I did want to just wrap up because a few people have been writing in with memory card stories and memory card, of course, uh, haven't done in a few weeks, but it's our segment where you, the viewers and listeners at home, write in with your favorite weird, wacky, sad, happy, uh, whatever memories of your gaming life. And we read them on the show. You can write into beyond at IGN.com with the subject line memory card uh, like Matt did. Uh, and we do have a few others, and I appreciate everyone sending them in. Please continue to send more stories in. Uh, Matt's is a quick one, and uh, though he prefaces it as being uh, not a happy story, I think it's a funny story in retrospect because it feels like a very uh, sibling-related uh, event that would happen. Uh, Matt says, this isn't necessarily a happy story, but with the segment being called Memory Card, it's the first story that pops into my head. So when I was still in middle school and my brother was only halfway through elementary school, the only PlayStation we had was the original PS1. We liked playing the same games and only had one memory card to save to. My brother would often save over my game, erasing my progress. I think it was usually by accident, uh, the, the one doing the erasing being the younger brother. I mostly like playing JRPGs, though, so I could have 8 to 10 hours invested into the game oh, and it just gets oh. wiped out. Eventually, I told my brother, if he erases my game one more time, I'm going to erase all his games on the memory card and not let him use it anymore. Well, about a day later, he erased my game again, and I took him into the game room and sat him in front of the PlayStation and made him watch as I went into the memory card manager and erased his games in front of him. Looking bad, I feel bad for my brother. I'm sure there were better ways to deal with it, though. I hope oh, this wasn't man. too depressing. This reads like a, a am I the asshole threat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's and such honestly, a perfect... I don't know. <laughs> I know. Well, like, especially for, like, young kids in, yeah. you know, middle school and elementary school, sibling rivalries and whatnot, it feels very probably appropriate of an older sibling do it. Not appropriate, but, like, I can very much see an older sibling doing this. Um so, Matt, I appreciate you you writing in. Hopefully you and your brother don't have this problem still uh, in your later years, and, and hopefully you're able to play all your JRPGs to the end. Uh, also, memory cards it. aren't really a thing anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm never, I'm never like the uh, kids today kind of dude. But man, if, if y'all didn't grow up with your friends or siblings or just accidents erasing your game saves on a memory card, you are so lucky. You have no <laughs> idea. You have no, yeah. I mean, I, I was, I, I was playing, I was almost at the end of X-Men for Genesis once. And my little brother came in and he had just rented a Vander Holyfield boxing from the store, which is a crappy game. Who cares? And he walked up to my Genesis cause he was a little kid and he just ripped the game out <laughs> and then put in the boxing game. And I was like, Oh no. Everything's gone. Everything is gone. <laughs> it yeah. sucks. Yeah. I mean, now it would be malicious because you'd have to go through five menus, go to the SSD mm-hmm. menu, find right. the exact game file, delete that, make sure it doesn't save the data locally, but actually delete it all. Yeah. You have to go or, through a lot. Or like, you know, like a house marks, like we're going to update Returnal into the middle of the night. Hope you didn't have a, like a, a quick, <laughs> a, you know. 
that's about as bad as it gets like <laughs> yes yeah that's that's the roughest it can get so hopefully uh hopefully you're able to uh retain your saves now but matt thank you for writing in and telling that story uh, and thank you to everyone else who's been writing in please continue to do so uh beyond at ign.com and we'll read them on the show in future weeks uh but that is going to pretty much wrap us up for this week's episode of podcast beyond uh brian and mitchell before we head off brian anything you want to point people toward that you've been working on recently uh, there is a Nintendo Direct tomorrow, and I'm hosting the live post show for that. So if you want to hear me yell excitedly about Waluigi or, I don't know, potentially Kratos or, or Crash Bandicoot, you want to hopefully that you finally get to punch the jean shorts off of that dude. Um, <laughs> check that out because we'll be doing it live and it'll be fun. I, uh, man, I hope they announce Wind Waker. <laughs> uh, Mitchell, anything else other than, of course, your Kano review uh, that you want to point people to? Uh, yeah, just the the Kana review over on uh, IGN Games, uh, or right, I guess this channel. Uh, we did a a, a top ten on the top ten co op games, so you know, make yes. sure to go there. Unless unless you're going there to get mad at me for not including Borderlands or Halo, <laughs> I don't want you. I don't want you there. You can, you can move on to another preface. video. In the paragraph, we say sorry. It's not in the list. Not good enough. Uh, anyway. Uh, also, because I, my, uh, Lucy would be upset if I didn't, uh, we're currently in the midst of our IGN 25th anniversary celebration, uh, and Lucy mainly has helped spearhead with a bunch of the features team and a lot of people working in uh, a bunch of very cool upcoming projects uh, that you'll see on the site, sort of one dropping per day. Uh, they mm -hmm. span movies, TV, video games, uh, looking back at like really big moments or franchises within the last 25 years of uh, pop culture history to line up with the IGN history. Uh, there's already a few really cool pieces uh, as we're recording today's one about uh, how like podcasts and spoiler culture and things of that nature really rose alongside lost uh it's a really really cool piece from dale driver out of our uk team uh go check that up and and coming soon i'll have an art of the level on the last of us part two uh for the playstation crowd so definitely look forward to that and all the other content uh going up on ig and youtube uh but that's pretty much gonna wrap us up you can normally find us all on twitter i'm at jm dornbush brian is at agent bizzle and mitchell's at jurassic rabbit Thank you both so much for joining me for this week's episode. Thank you to Red, our producer, for making it happen. And of course, thank you to everyone out there for listening and watching. We hope you're safe. We hope you're well. And as always, beyond. Beyond. Beyond.